We are live, so we want to welcome everybody that's uh, watching us around the globe and those of you that will get this podcast at some point this week, and all you that are here in the building this morning. Uh, we um, <clears throat> had a little fun with this. We were looking for our 500th subscriber on our channel on YouTube, and uh, we were in a meeting, and my oldest son had not subscribed. <laughs> and uh, what did the Bible say? It's, it's not my enemies, but those of your own household, David said. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun with him. But hey, if, you want, if you've not subscribed, it does keep us up. If you believe in what we're preaching and teaching and doing here, it keeps us on up the scale there. I think I'm I'm new to all this. I'm 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 a dumb guy with a smartphone. Does anybody like that besides me? Uh, but it does keep us up there and keeps the truth and things we're promoting. And so, if you've not subscribed, shame on you. Right? It's real easy to do that too. So it just keeps our truth up there. And I was noticing we are getting a lot of hits from a lot of directions. So. The Lord has opened some doors for us to keep this message out there. And you know, mostly what we do here is expository. Just stick with the Word, verse by verse, most of the time. And spend a lot of time in the Word. And I believe God wants that out in front of the, in front of the people. So we appreciate all you. And thanks to my son. We're going to give him a door prize because he was number 500, you know. So... <laughs> Uh, maybe a bottle of water or something. We've not figured out that. It's good to see all of you here. It's time to praise and worship Jesus. He is the reason for us to be here. Amen. And so, we're not here to promote our church or any ministries. We're here to promote Jesus. He makes the difference. It says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble and may the name of God of Jacob defend you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May He remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May He grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. You know what He said? He said He'd never leave us nor forsake us, be with us to the end. And He also said He would finish what He started in us. Amen. Somebody give God praise for that. We will rejoice in your salvation. And that word is Yeshua. It's what we translate Jesus. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. I like that. That's an open door to pray, right? Uh, Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer Him from His holy heaven with His saving strength of His right arm. Who's the right arm? Jesus is the right hand and right arm of God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. What a word for us. Amen. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him some praise. He's worthy this morning. Paul said, if Christ is not risen, our hope's in vain. So I want to sing that line again where we talk about him coming out of the grave. And let's think about that for a moment. You know, you probably, all of us have things in life we enjoy and some we have we don't enjoy. Anybody there besides me? But it doesn't matter about any of that. If you're not on your way to heaven, all that's in vain. And you're just going to enjoy what little bit you're going to do here and the rest of it's judgment. But if you name the name of Christ, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have hope without a question mark. Remember that word? Elpesis, right? It's the Greek word for hope that we have. There's no question mark with that word. In our language, every time we use the word hope, there's a question mark there. I hope it don't rain, but we don't have any control over that, right? I hope the stock market market don't collapse. We don't have any control over that. But in the context of the New Testament, when we hope in Jesus, there's no question mark. Amen? He has come out of the grave. Let's sing that to Him one more time and let's give Him praise in this house. And on the third at break of dawn the Son of Heaven rose
the first and last that was and is and is to come. We praise you. Amen. Tell your neighbor good morning. Turn around and say good morning to your neighbor. Children's church is dismissed. We have two nurseries next door. The rest of you may be seated. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, hold on to them. We're going to use them here in just a moment. <laughs> Let's, uh, I want to show you a couple of verses on the screen first. I want to show you 1 Timothy 6 and 12 on the screen. I'll read that off to you. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The word fight, fight the good fight of faith. So we're in a battle. The other one is 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. I'll read those to you off the screen here. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Next one. No one engaged in warfare warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, there's a lot of military language used there by Paul in both of those passages. It's used throughout the Scripture. We're going to get into the main thrust of that in just a moment in Ephesians. But you and I, if you don't understand, if you and I do not understand that we're in a war, that we're in a battle, you're going you're gonna to get in trouble. This, you don't get to drive through here like Miss Daisy in this life. You and I are in a battle. The Bible calls us soldiers. The Bible talks about us being enlisted into His army. The Bible says we're in a fight. The Bible calls this a war. And you can see, even in our own nation, and if you're a student of history as I am, you can find that even in our own country, you can find that people who do not understand the price that's been paid for us, our country, they, they don't have the same reality as other people. And that's why people in our country can burn flags and do some of the things they do because they don't have any idea of the battle that's been paid, the price that's been paid. I think my grandfather was the only one left out of his platoon in World War II. A lot of people lost their lives. I've talked to, buried some guys who were in World War II, who were in that battle in the Philippines where they watched so many of their own uh, brothers get impaled and things like that. And so many of them lost their lives. Vietnam, we could go on and on and on. If you don't realize the price that's been paid, if you don't understand that you are in a war, then it's going to change your posture on how you view things. And we've got that in our own nation. But more than that, that's happened to the church. And so the church has watered things down. They don't realize, they don't reflect enough on the price that's been paid by Jesus Christ as we sang about this morning. And they don't realize the war that we're in. You are engaged in a war. A lot of what goes on in and around our lives is prompted by demonic activity. Even in our country, in our government, and in our cities, and in our own homes, and through the different ways that our world has access to us now, there's so much demonic influence. The devil is working hard to destroy what God has created. The devil is working hard to distract. Now, I want to ask you something. The souls of men, that's the most important thing, and I use that generically, the souls of men and women, that is the most important thing in this world. There's nothing in this world that is as close to being as important as that. And so there's a battle going on for the souls of men and women in our world. That is the most important activity that's going on in the world. Nothing, nothing going on in Frankfurt, nothing going on in Washington, D.C., and nothing going on in my life or yours is more important than that right there. The souls of men and women are at stake in our world. And there's a battle going on before that between God and Satan, between Angels that kept their first estate, which are still with God, and the angels who did not keep their first estate, who rebelled and followed Satan. There's a war going on there. And you and I are involved in that war because the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. Little g. All right? Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and let's dig around here just a little bit on some of this and we'll uh, take you a couple other places while we're talking about this. 
This is familiar to all of us. It's a familiar passage. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, if you don't realize there's a war going on and where you and I need to draw our strength from, you're going to try to do this on your own, right? That's not going to work. You and I are no match for Satan on our own. We need the help of God. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We certainly have to be born again. And we need the Word of God working effectually in our lives. Then he says, put on the whole armor, not just parts of it, but the whole armor. Uh, of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All the things he's going to bring at your life, my life, at the church, at the true body of believers. The devil is working harder on the true believer than he is anybody out there in the world. He's got them. They're, they're blind. And, and until their, their eyes are open and they give their lives to Christ, we call that being saved, born again, or redeemed, they're blind. He don't have to work much on them. They're blind. The devil spends most of his activity on the believer to discourage us, to get us to back down, to get, get us uh, beat down and, and distracted so that we will not be effective in our warfare for God on his team, on his side. And so the devil is spending most of his time working. And the church has shrank so much as a whole. We've seen the body of Christ. Church attendance and church and Christian faithfulness has dropped tremendously since the 70s. Tremendously. We have watched that drop, and, and it's, it's around the globe. Now, we, God's been good to us, and we've experienced a lot of revival in the last two and a half years. But the church as a whole has been dwindling down. And the devil is working on, with a smaller group. Think about that. The devil has fewer and fewer faithful Christians so he can focus more of his uh, 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 attempts and his, uh, I'm try his ammunition, I guess would be the best way to say that, on a, a smaller group. So resources is the word I saw floating around and I just found it. He can take more resources and focus them on fewer people because the, few, the people have strength. The faithfulness of, of people has shrank to such a degree, he don't have as large of an audience to chase. So now you and I are in that war. We're in that battle. And then he goes on to say, he says, For we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. And then he's going to come back to the armor. Now I'm going to read that to you out of the Greek. It's a little bit choppier. But I'm going to read it to you so you can understand something. It'll be a little bit clearer as I read this, this last verse here where he talks about, uh, we, in verse 12, we wrestle the flesh, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. Now you can see that a little bit there, but I think a lot of people come here and read this and they think all of that is unseen. That's not what he's saying. A lot of it is unseen because there are spiritual forces even behind false gods and false religions. There are demonic forces that promote false religions. So there's influence by demons in all these false religions behind these idols. The Bible speaks about all that. It talks about the worship of demons. But there's also a system in the world that you and I have to deal with that is controlled by Satan. There are demonic influences in government and in powers that we actually see in our world. So I'll read this to you out of the Greek and I think it will be clear to you of what Paul's actually saying or actually the Holy Spirit's saying. He says, because... The, uh, the wrestling is not to be uh, to us against blood and flesh. Let me read that again. Because the wrestling is not to us against blood and flesh. So he's making a statement there that there's a deeper context to what we deal with as believers. And then he says, but against principalities, against authorities against the world rulers of the darkness. Wow. Now I'm going to read that to you again. This is how it says it. 
And, and remind, I want to remind everybody, Paul did not carry a King James Bible. All right? He says, because the wrestling to us against blood and flesh, uh, but it's not against blood and flesh, but against principalities, against authorities, and against the world rulers of the darkness. Now, you got a lot of stuff going on in here. And then he goes, and I'll come back to that. Of this age, against the spiritual powers of wickedness in the heavenlies. So he brought both things into view. Did you see that? He brought things going on in the earth and things going on in the heavens. So the first thing I want to say to you about this war, there is demonic influence in the heavenlies that also influences things in the earth. Are you following me? Are you with me? So you have false religions, you have governments, you have organizations, you, hey, you even have full-fledged de uh, devil worship in this country and other countries, that worship demons. They openly worship the devil. So there is spiritual warfare that's in the heavenlies, right? And then there's spiritual warfare that's got involved in the systems of this world. Why? Let me let's throw this verse up there in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, I'll read this to you. This is what Paul says about, about Jesus. says, whose minds the God of this age, speaking of Satan, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So here's what we got going on. We got demonic forces running in the heavenlies. They're causing havoc and they're battling angelic forces that have stayed with God. I'll give an example of that. When Daniel was praying, <clears throat> he finally... After 21 days of waiting on God, finally, Gabriel showed up. Remember that? And when Gabriel showed up, he said, I would have been here sooner, but I was in a battle with the prince of Persia. In other words, there was a demonic force called the prince of Persia that was a stronghold over that region, and Gabriel and him were engaged in warfare. And because they were engaged in a uh, galactic, if you want to call it that, warfare, that was delaying the answer or the response to Daniel. Now, you need to think about that when you're praying and not give up so easy. Can I get an amen? amen. Because these demonic forces are clashing. Now, you can see that, and I don't mean, I don't want to, but we got, we got to be real. You can see that the devil has built up some strongholds in places like San Francisco, Las Vegas, New Orleans, New York, and I could just name a few of those. And, and there are demonic strongholds that have probably set up camp here in our own region. The devil is not a dummy, right? And so if you go to San Francisco, there's a stronghold of sexual perversion there. If you go over to Las Vegas, there's a stronghold of covetousness. And lust built up there. If you go to New Orleans, there's a stronghold. And this is open. And these cities even boast about this. It's not, it's not held back or kind of under wrap. In New Orleans, it's witchcraft, right? And voodoo, that's a stronghold down there. And New York is greed and, and the love of money. So you could just, and probably if we had the time and the resources, we could start identifying more of those in our own country. But they're around the world. The devil sets up strongholds. And so when, when Gabriel came to Daniel, he said, I would have been here sooner, but I was in a galactic battle with the prince of Persia, the one that had the stronghold over this region. And so we got to understand that there's a battle in the heavenlies. But there's also a battle in the earth realm. And that's why, you, that's why the Holy Spirit used this language when He said, uh, because the wrestling is not to us against blood and flesh, but against principalities, against authorities, and against the world rulers of the darkness. So what the devil has done, he's infiltrated government. Listen. One of the, I, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories here. This is this, one of the reasons we just, we, I told you we just sent a couple of thousand dollars to Nigeria. And how we do that is we put that in an account here. They can draw it out over there. 
And then there has to be exchange, and that's why we're feeding them on the grain because it's so bad in Nigeria. But we cannot send them goods. And the reason we can't send them goods is because they never make it to them. The governments and the places of exchange are so corrupt. <clears throat> One of the, I'm going to tell you a true story. This is hap- this come to us because of the family that's in the satellite. One of the families in the satellite had a family member who went to Ukraine, and he's this way. He was a mercenary. He he left Kentucky and he went to Ukraine to fight with the Ukrainians. He came home. After a few months, because he was so disgusted with what they were doing with the money we were sending over there. Everything's corrupt. I want you to understand it. The devil has infiltrated the governments of the world. Right? That's why when you read Isaiah, what does he say about Jesus? said, when he comes back, said, of his kingdom there will be no end, and the government of the world will be on his shoulders. He's going to take them back over and bring in righteousness, and if they want true justice, he's on the way. Can you say amen? True justice is on the way. But we don't know who to trust anymore. We, we know, we've known this for 50 years, that much of what America sends around the world gets confiscated by corrupt governments in these other countries. We know that. But it makes us look good on paper. We know how much of this, and that's why the church is so vital. Because we can get money and resources to people but the way God connects us and builds personal relationships. Our government don't do that stuff. They just write checks and then go over there and threaten people to do something with it. But that don't work. And that's why the devil has infiltrated. That's why if you look at our own government here in this country, we have passed laws against God's Word since the 60s. We continue to do that. Because there's spiritual influences, demonic influences that are controlling the system of this world. Now, what did Jesus say to us? He said, you are in the world, but not of the world. What did we read in that first, one of the first verses? He said that a good soldier who is, stays engaged in the battle will not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. That's a secret to you and I if we're going to do this warfare we got to stay engaged in the battle. we got to wake up every day, make sure we've got our armor on. He said, put on the whole armor of God. We, he give us body parts for the armor with everything except the rear. Now think about that. We don't be backing up. We don't turn and run. And God said He'd be our rear guard. Can you say amen to that? He said He'd go before us, and He said He'd be our rear guard. So you need to move forward, understand that it's more than just things didn't go our way. It's more than just, well, that's just how the world is. No, there's a war going on. And Satan understands that war better than most Christians. And he stays engaged. You want to know why the devil aggravates you all the time? Because he stays engaged. He don't kick out of gear like a lot of Christians do and take time off. He, he stays engaged. He understands what's at stake a lot of times more than us Christians do. He's after the souls of men and women. That's what we should be after. He told Peter, after Peter caught the biggest catch of his life, he said, I'm getting ready to make you a fisherman of men. And that's what God wants all of us to be. He wants all of us to be fishers of men and women, to go after that because there's nothing Nothing in your life or my life that's more important than eternity. Nothing. I don't care what you're dealing with. There's nothing going on that's more important than eternity. And so God wants us to understand there's a warfare that we're engaged in. I'm going to show you some guys that did that here in just a moment. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find some of these guys that we don't really get a whole lot of information about until verse, I'm going to pick up in verse 27, but the prior verse has kind of broke down some people. And when you, I want to give you a, a message here. Whenever you read the Old Testament or the New Testament and it says the God of Israel, you need to understand something with God. God's not just talking to Israel as a nation and He's not just talking to Jacob. The word Israel means God governed. God is talking to anybody. The root of that word means to be governed by God. So when you read in there and he says to Israel, I say, or to Jacob or whatever, he's talking to you and me. 
Because if we're God-governed, we belong to Him, right? We are not our own. We've been bought with a price, right? Now let's look at verse 27 because he kind of just skims into some things and then he brings a few things up that I think we need to hear. By faith he forsook Egypt, talking about Moses, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? Because that government was corrupt. That government was not following God and so Moses had to make a decision, right? And he did not fear the king of Egypt, but he feared God first, right? My motto is fear God and you don't have to be afraid of anything else. If you don't fear God properly, you'll have to be afraid of everything else. You'll be afraid of what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And then he says, By faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he he destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So he was honoring God like that. Then he says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as the dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. This all took faith, right? He stepped out to follow God. They had uh, warfare going on and coming after them, but he kept the faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So this woman's life is not what saved her. It's her faith that's what saved her. And then what more shall I say for the time, and here's what I wanted to focus on this morning because this is kind of afterthoughts as you read uh, chapter 11 here. He says, what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Now listen what it says about these guys. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. Now there's another passage where Paul says, our strength is made perfect, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we're at our weakest, that's when the devil wants us to feel like we're going under, but that's when God says, I want to step into that moment. And build you up and so the world can see me instead of you. Now, I got bad news for you. The world don't need to see you and me. They need to see Jesus in us. That's what they need to see. They don't need to see us. The world's seen enough of us, right? We're not the Johnny come lately that the world's not encountered. And neither are we for the devil either. If you don't think the devil's seen somebody like you, you're lying to yourself. The devil, you remember what happened in the garden when the devil deceived them, the Bible says God cursed him. He crawled, uh, the, the serpent cursed him. Whatever he was doing before he'd done this, we don't fully know. There's speculation about that. But he winds up on the ground eating the dust of the earth. Right? And you know what? He's been eating the dust of the earth ever since. Because we're made out of dust. And the devil has been chewing men and women up for 6,000 years. You and I are not the guy that the devil's looking at and saying, I wonder how I need to get at him. He's been dealing with people like us down through the ages. Our defense is the Lord. But he's been eating the dust ever since the Garden of Eden. That's what he's been doing. Physically, we know the serpent has been cursed, but spiritually speaking, that's what he's been doing. And so these guys, when it says, he says they were made strong out of weakness, became valiant in what? In battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So I know we got a lot of Bible heroes in here, but there were all kinds of people trusting God. They may have been a little more obscure than some of the others, but they were believing God. They were taking Him at His word. They were following Him, and they were facing battle or warfare, things against them, right? And that's what all of us are going to face. I, I wish I could tell you that it's going to get better. But it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Jesus said in the last days it's going to get like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Let's think about that. Think about that. Out of Sodom, of a city of... I was studying this just the other day. A city of at least... They know there was at least 100,000 in Sodom. A city of 100,000, three of them made it out. Three of them. There were a few million at least on the earth by the time Noah was here. Eight of them got on the boat. That's why Jesus said what he said. 
many are going to destruction and few are going to hell. We're living in a world that's headed in a collision course with its creator. This world and the people of it are going to have to answer to its creator. God owns it all. That's never changed. It's never going to change. We can believe a lie. We can think we own things. We can think whatever we want to do. Governments can think they're in charge, but they're not. They're only pawns in the game. And so God has reminded us that it's going to be like the days of Lot and like the days of Noah. We see that. We see that with our own eyes. I wish I could tell you that you're going to get saved and all the obstacles are going to be moved out of your way. That's not how this works. You're in a battle. And you become a target if you move forward in Christ. They don't tackle the guys standing on the sidelines. They don't. Now, I do remember the clip from years ago when the guy, I believe the guy was playing for Nebraska. He had got free and was going to score a touchdown. And a guy from Alabama came off the sidelines and tackled him. But normally that kind of stuff don't happen. Funny, it's one of the funniest things. <laughs> but if you're standing on the sideline, you probably won't get tackled. It would be a rare occasion if you did. But if you're engaged, now follow me. If you're engaged, you're in the warfare, you're staying engaged, you're going to get hit. The first year I played football, <clears throat> they was going to warm me into the playing but the guy in front of me got hurt so I had to play right off the bat they said do not get caught watching if you just watch the play they said they didn't use these same words but this is what they were saying the coach was saying stay engaged stay ready do not get caught being a spectator on the field guess what I did first listen and I was a I was a big guy in high school. I was like 145 pounds. <laughs> first time. I mean, it was first series that I had to start because the other guy had gotten hurt. And I'm, I'm standing there getting caught up thinking, where's the popcorn, you know? Because I'd been used to watching the game. And a six-foot-five tight end decided to just destroy me. But it took one time to learn that lesson. I stayed engaged from then on. That's what happens to us spiritually. If you don't stay engaged, the devil will slip in on you. In the book of Jude, he talks about how the enemy will come in sideways, stealthily. That's how the Greek word puts it, kind of slither in down the wall, catch you off guard. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to catch you off guard. And so you've got to stay engaged because you've got to remember I, there are no days off. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There are no days off. The devil don't take days off. And so we got to be careful not to take any days off as well. Then he says, others were tortured. These are people that have been in war, not accepting deliverance. They would rather be tortured. And you read some of that, and not only in the Bible, but in church history with John Huss and some guys like that who were burned at the stake, <clears throat> that they might obtain a better resurrection. They understood what was most important, right? You read that? Let me read that to you again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Right? They knew what was at stake. That's why they hung in there. You and I have to understand what's at stake. That's why we hang in there. I read a, an account back in church history when uh, they were getting persecuted and killed and thrown to the lions and, and gladiators back in that time, Nero and all that, burned and carried crosses with dead bodies on a lot of stuff went on with these folks that were paying the price for the early church. But one account I read was a story of an 80-year-old grandmother who had the hand of a 16-year-old boy as they stood in the arena waiting for the lines to be turned loose. And the 16-year-old boy was getting ready to recant so he wouldn't have to die that day. And the 80-year-old grandmother encouraged him and strengthened him and they died, to died together that day. Died for the cause of Christ. In Nigeria, where we have our churches, I've got a video where they slaughtered 400 Christians. Islam. I don't care to say it like it is. Islam slaughtered 400 Christians. They had to dig a hole with a dozer to bury them all. I've got this on video. Stephen sent it to me. 
But what they did, most of them were killed by machetes that day. Not guns, wouldn't quick. A few of them were burned to death, but most of them were killed by machete that day they attacked. And what they would do, Stephen said, is they would come with a machete and say, recant Jesus and you can live. This happened in our time, by the way. This ain't church history. And they would ask them to recant, and the ones who didn't recant were killed. That's in our time. What did he say? He said it's going to get like the days of Noah and the days of blood. You're in a war. You and I are in a war. And it's spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, like Daniel told us. And it's also spiritual wickedness that gets in the systems of this world because the God of this world for this season is Satan. His reign's coming to an end. He says, Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of change and imprisonments. Now, what kind of persecution do you face? Right? Maybe somebody lies on you. Maybe somebody talks about you. Maybe somebody... Come on, man. You can't be backing off because of that. They did Jesus that way, right? And worse. Somebody didn't say something to you. Come on, man. Somebody didn't speak to you? What? He hung on a tree, and you're going to walk away from his family because somebody didn't speak to you? Come on now. Somebody didn't comment on this or that? Somebody didn't do this or that? Listen, you came here to serve Him. We didn't come here to get accolades. We came here to serve Him. To be a, Why? Why? Because we figured out what was at stake. Now, who wants to be in a foxhole in Vietnam or any war with a conscientious objector? Nobody. Nobody wants to be in a foxhole with somebody who won't carry a weapon. Why? Because you're in a war. And that's what we're in. We're in a war. If we forget that as the church, the devil will keep slipping in on us sideways. And before you know it, and we've seen this, he'll have the church doing the same thing the world's doing. Have we not seen that? How many churches are now ordaining sexually immoral people into their pulpits? How many churches have accepted the standard for their Christian experience to be the same as the world's? Over and over and over, we've watched this. And what did they think? They thought they were there to play dress up and show up on Sunday and have a good time and everybody go home. They forgot. They were in a war. And the enemy's good at subduing. Then he says, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, right? They got all of it. These guys got everything you and I get, and more. Were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I wonder if the Lord can say that about us. The world's not worthy of you guys. You're so following me. You're so tied in with me. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They hung in there. They didn't see the Lord come to earth. They were waiting on that. They didn't get to see that. But God had another, He was going to bring the Gentiles in. You know all that story. And so all they're part of us, we're part of them. But they kept fighting the good fight of faith. If you don't understand that you and I are engaged in a war, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to be like me. You're going to be standing around watching and some big dude from Barberville is going to knock your block off. I've hated Barberville ever since then. Or as they say where I'm from, Barvel. When I have the opportunity to speak in secular moments and have an opportunity to show Christ, whether it's to a team, a sports team, a lot of times I talk about them about being a finisher. 
and I talk to them how important it is for them to finish their assignment. Right? Whatever you've been given. Whether it's a job, whatever. Your marriage, your family, whatever. But we talk about maybe that particular sport. Right? I've spoke to basketball team, football team, and I talk to them about being a finisher. And then I lead them how important it is, even though you may feel like I'm not important because I don't do this particular thing on the team, but you finishing your block or finishing your pick, setting somebody else up to, get, to have success is as important as the person with the ball. So everybody needs to be a finisher. And then I lead them, and I'm coming to you all, I lead them into the greatest finisher that ever walked the earth is Jesus Christ. He saw the cross coming. He didn't run from it. He embraced it, and he took it all the way to Calvary. He finished everything the Father gave him to do. And my challenge to them is to be a finisher. And I challenge you this morning. Don't just get some fire insurance. Be a finisher. Be a finisher. You finishing your task may help literally free somebody else up. And that's what the world's looking for and they don't know it. They're looking for freedom. But they're watching us. You are in a culture now where the Bible's not respected like it was when I grew up. Even the hardened sinners, when I was a young boy and when I was younger, witnessing, they, most people would say, yeah, we know we need to be doing that. We know the Bible's God's Word. We're not there anymore. We're trying to witness to a culture that don't believe the Bible is God's Word. It's changed the game. So what's going to happen? They're going to watch us. They're going to see if we're going to be finishers. They're going to see if we are staying engaged. I'll leave you with a couple of thoughts here before I close. Billy Graham, his ministry, which has continued to go on, they did a survey, and less than 10% of people who come to Christ come to Christ because of meetings, including his crusades, who he was called to do and good at. Over 90% of people who come to Christ come to Christ because they had a relationship with somebody that was living it in front of them. Now you think about that. They're watching us. Your Bible may be the only lie, only, your life may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. They're watching us. Over 90% of the people come to Christ because they had a relationship with somebody at the office that they watched how God worked in their life. They saw the fruit of that. Somebody in their neighborhood, somebody in their family, somebody in their circle, somebody at their school. So are you staying engaged? Am I staying engaged? Do we understand that there's a war? There was a war going on before the New Testament. That's why Daniel had that explained to him. You think about the demons and the angels clashing and how they're trying to stop God's will from happening and how the angels are there to carry out God's will. That's a battle. You and I are in the middle of it, and we have influence with it. Do you know that people in this house this morning, and not just us, but true believers everywhere, you and I have more power than our federal government does? We do. We have more access, more power. Our God, do you realize that all God has to do is send a swarm of bees and He can shut down a whole city. He's in charge. So we have access to the one who's in charge. Direct access. That's why the veil was rent. You think about that. And the veil was rent saying, come on in, that we have one who is able to comfort us in our times of need because he's been there like us. These guys hung in there. And I'm challenging myself and all of you this morning. I'm preaching to myself too. A lot of times I preach to me and let you all listen. You and I, we've got to hang in there. We cannot get discouraged. We cannot be beat up. 
by how the world's going. Jesus told us the world was going to go this direction. He told us we're, we shouldn't be caught off guard. Well, we got to stay engaged. we got to stay engaged. we got to make sure we put our armor on. And we got to have a made-up mind like these people we read about in the Scripture. And i got a feeling that a lot of these had it a lot harder than any of us have had it. And they, when they're facing all these things about being in chains and scourged and mocked and <clears throat> tempted and, and, and the swords after them. None of us have probably faced that yet, right? So let's hang in there. Let's stay engaged so we don't get distracted and caught up in the wrong stuff. Let's stay engaged in this warfare and wake up every day and put our armor on and remind ourselves that we're in a war. And then remind yourself of what's at stake. Let's stand to our feet. I have seen this happen before. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you about this. I have had people whom I love in my family and in my circle that need to be born again, need to have redemption, need to, be, need to come to Christ. I have watched that if I've been obedient to reach out to someone else, I've watched God send people to those people I love and care about. So do not get caught up in just your family. When's the last time you stepped out of your circle and said, you know what, I'm going to do this for somebody that I don't know. I'm going to love on somebody. I'm not going to just be consumed with my children or my little circle. I'm going to step out. And you may be struggling with somebody in your own circle that you don't seem to be able to reach or get through to, and you're laboring in that. Well, why don't you step out and minister to somebody else and see what God will do? You know what the Bible teaches us? We reap what we sow. That's not always bad. That can be good, right? You can reap what you sow in a good way. And God wants us. So I'll, I'll end you, I'm going to give you this <clears throat> last verse here before we open our altar time here that <clears throat> Paul said with us, said to us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap to the flesh corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap spirit uh, of the spirit will reap everlasting life so sowing and reaping is not always a negative thing it can be a positive thing depending on what you're sowing and then he says this let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint or lose heart that's the challenge i think most of us and then he says therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all, not just your four. You need to do good with all. So God is telling us not to get weary in doing the right thing, staying engaged, because we will reap if we hang in there. That's a word for all of us. Because I'll guarantee you, everybody in this building sometimes gets frustrated with doing the right thing, thinking, is it going to pay off? Or maybe witnessing to somebody you've witnessed to them for years maybe do not get weary in doing the right thing because you will reap if you don't faint don't give up don't give up let's bow our heads father we thank you for this opportunity we thank you for those that are here today those that are watching those that will get this podcast i pray lord that each one of us that are believers that we will stay engaged, that we won't get distracted. You told us that in Luke 21. You said for us not to become distracted, to get caught up in drunkenness and carousing and cares of this life, that that day would catch us off guard. You told us that. So I'm challenging myself this morning, Lord, and everybody that catches my voice today, for us to stay engaged, to realize that we're coming to the end of the age you told us it was going to get like this so we shouldn't be caught off guard help us to stay engaged and give us souls for our labor if there's anybody in here that's feeling weary God I pray that you'll encourage them this morning renew their confidence in you and in what you've given them to do and let them keep doing it help them not to grow weary but maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice who's not a believer.
Maybe they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Today's their day for them not to harden their heart. And maybe there's a prodigal or two or three here with us or watching. It's time to leave the pig pen and go back home. Re-engage yourself in the business of the Father. Do not get caught watching. Stay engaged. Re-engage in the business of the Father. This altar is open as we worship. Whatever your need is. If you need healing, if you need a move of the Holy Spirit, you need to be born again, whatever you need, will you come as we worship?